Welcome to Curmudgeon's Corner for Friday, October 22nd, 2021. It's just before 2.30 UTC as we're starting to record. Uh, I'm Sam Minter, and Yvonne Bo is with us again. Hello, Yvonne. Hello. And we have a special guest today. We have Bruce with us as well. Uh, hello, Bruce. Hello. Hey, how are you? Bruce has co-hosted a variety of times in the past when Yvonne has been out for one reason or another. And we were just talking before we started up uh, the official show, uh, trying to remember if Bruce was ever on the show at the same time as Yvonne. Yvonne thinks maybe. I'm think Bruce and I think no. Like I, 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 I think there was a I think there was one time that we were doing these interviews that, that I know that I found out that in that conversation that Bruce I think you got family here living in Boca and a whole bunch of stuff that that came up yeah. and it was like a one conversation like but it was eons ago okay uh, yeah so, but it's been once that's it and yep. and so uh, yeah so we have Bruce on the show for a specific reason. Um, those of you who've listened before when Bruce was on uh, may remember that he worked at a company that was developing a submarine to go down to the Titanic. And Bruce is now free to talk about that. So we're going to do yeah. a, a segment on the show, um, you know, a full segment, uh, talking to Bruce about the submarine and the Titanic and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, so that will be our first segment instead of our butt first uh, this time around. Um, and well, then it, it is the butt first. It is the butt first. It is the butt first. But instead of like Yvonne and I like picking out little little things we want to complain about our lives or whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the submarine. I, I, well, you're complaining about the fact that you can't get the, that M1 the uh, i i iMac. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like my my computer is annoyingly slow at this time. It is pissing me off all the time. I am ready for a new one, but I'm waiting for that one to be released, which probably won't be till next spring. But I have a brand new MacBook Pro sitting over there, but it's not, you know, I haven't even been able to configure it yet. They so, haven't sent me the information. So so can I say what the other segments are be? Will be yes. <laughs> well, 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 yes. So, we'll allow so, you to so our other two main segments are going to be: we're going to talk about the pandemic, and specifically, like this may or may not have like been a topic if Bruce wasn't here. But Bruce specifically wants to tell us a whole bunch of areas where he disagrees with Yvonne and I on approach to the pandemic and various yeah. things about that. Um, and yeah. then, and then we'll talk about Congress. And all the goings on there uh, this last week, because there's been more, there's the whole Bannon thing, there's more infrastructure negotiations, all of this kind of stuff. We'll, we'll talk about those. Oh, and the, the voting, the, they, they voted on the voting bill, whatever, just too many right. votings in that. Uh, but before we get to the submarine, I did want to call out one additional but firsty sort of thing, which is this episode of Curmudgeon's Corner is the 750th episode of Curmudgeon's Corner since it became a podcast. You know, not counting our radio days. So do we launch a fireworks now? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it's like what? Th it's three quarters of the way to a million or something. You know, uh, well, a thousand. Uh, you know, uh, same thing. Uh, not quite. <laughs> You're quite a little bit like optimistic on your math, Sam. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, math. Maybe in 500 years. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, 750 <laughs> weeks is a long time, right? 
you know so god it's a lot and and, and normally i would think about like you know you think of every hundred episodes as a milestone or whatever but for some reason 750 struck at me because you know it's two zero two fifty five hundred seven yeah yeah well you get the idea anyway it was a nice round number it's all right it's one of those round numbers yes yes and uh, how many years is that that's we it's a long time Let's see. It depends on how you count, because you started in college, right? Well, straight up. Well, well no, this is only the podcast this, version. Iteration. So uh, it's 14.4 years. Yeah. Yeah. Right out of one. That, that, that's, that's a lot. That, that's, that's a lot. Um, yeah. Where, where was it? Uh, we started in. Um, well, you have it on our web. Page. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was just bringing it up. I, you I, have the exact date. The exact date. Yeah. Our, 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 blah, blah, blah. The archive on curmudgeons-corner.com. We started in June of 2007. Um, and uh, we've been going ever since. Haven't missed a week. Clap. Haven't missed a week. Give myself a clap. Even if there were some very, very short episodes, yes. There were a couple. But, you know. Yeah. And, and, but the, but... and at first, all the episodes were very short. <laughs> yes. They were quite <laughs> A couple short. of weeks ago, you were pretty desperate that you almost missed. Yes, I know. I had to. I had to cheat. I well, no, it's not really. It, there was a half second of a buzzing noise. That was enough. That was recorded in the correct week. There you go. <laughs> anyway, okay. So let let let's just jump right in. Uh, first of all, Bruce, um, I, I know you said you are free. You're not breaking any NDAs or anything by talking about this now. No, 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 no. It, it, I was free to talk even when I was on. It's just that uh, it was just inconvenient while I was at sea to to mention anything uh, in the chat, and I was just so immensely busy uh, when I was at sea that I, I just couldn't kind of give you all updates. And but let's and understand a little bit. Uh, let's go back a little bit to understand, you know, how this project got off the ground in the first place. I okay. mean, what was the idea? behind this and who put up the money in order to put this together i mean you know the concept uh, you know just explain the concept uh, a little i'll, I'll right. give you a thumbnail sketch so the founder of our company is a guy, a guy by the name of stockton rush he comes from a rich family and he uh, his dream was he wanted to be a space explorer but he realized early on that he couldn't do that and uh, so he doesn't have no Elon they, Musk money. no he's he's rich but not that rich and so he decided that what he could do is do the opposite and that is uh, explore the depths of the ocean. And so uh, he started this company uh, called ocean gate in 2011. Uh, and he has been successively making uh, better and better uh, submarines. And okay. uh, yeah. And this, this current submarine, um, they, they made one a couple of years ago and it failed. Uh, it was, it, uh, the, the submarine is, um, it's a carbon fiber hull with titanium ends. It's kind of shaped like a, uh, like a, uh, like a pill, like, uh, okay. you know, a, a cylinder with round ends. And, um, the, uh, the idea was to make it big enough that we can, uh, do deep sea tourism. Now we don't like to use the term tourism, uh, we call our customers uh, mission specialists, and we don't say that we're taking we're we're not giving people rides to the Titanic. We're inviting people to come along on our scientific expedition, and and the reason for that is because 
what we're doing is in a an illegal gray area. Uh, it's um, uh, ah. yeah, because uh, according to the um, to the Coast Guard, our submarines are not rated for uh, for, for passengers for, for passengers for tourists because the uh, the regulations okay. don't even have that in their imagination. It has to have okay. two exits. It's got to have all these different features that are just simply impossible for a submarine that's going to go as deep as what we're going. And also, when it, with regards to the Titanic, there are a lot of very strong feelings about exploring the Titanic. There's some some people uh, say it's great. Let's go, go down, explore it. You know, pick up all the artifacts and and uh, and yeah, provide video and go down there as much as you want. Others have very strong feelings that it's a it's a grave site that it's you know we're disturbing the dead that this was a horrible. Uh, event that would be like going into, uh, you know, uh, ground zero in New York and you know, picking through the, the debris down there and uh, and uh, and trying to explore it. But uh, but really, uh, in one way, you, you look at it like it's it's an archaeological site. Yeah. And uh, yep. and what we're doing, we're not collecting anything. We're just uh, going down and uh, and taking video and showing it to to people who are who have who had this as a dream for their own whole lives. So anyway, I joined the company two years ago, and um, uh, they had just the previous sub had just failed, not, and it had failed because they had taken it to a hyperbaric chamber and uh, and gave it a pressure test, and it was not performing right okay the, so the just just to be family. clear it failed in yeah. test it didn't like feel fail <laughs> yeah. with people inside it and such yeah it did not fail with people inside it but uh uh it, it was pretty scary they did do some tests at uh at, at depth with people in it and it was popping and creaking and making scary sounds all the way down and oh, that's nice the, <laughs> and the very, was very all, comforting yeah exactly so this time around, we uh, we we still wanted to do carbon fiber, but we made it with a robot arm that was very precise, and we did it right. And and um, and so this time, when we did our our, our hyperbaric test uh, uh, this February, uh, it was very quiet. What we uh, with carbon fiber, when it's flexed, it it makes ultrasonic sounds, and you can pick that up with with uh, ultrasonic. Uh, microphones, and so we can predict when the hull is about to fail, uh, and uh, by listening to that. And so we have s- sensors, and we can detect how it's doing. And the se- and the hull has been performing flawlessly. That's the we have we haven't had to worry about it at all. So it's it's really nice. It's five inches thick of carbon fiber with 660 layers of uh, of tape on it, and it has Jeez. multiple cures. And yeah, it was really cool because it just happened to be that the company that could actually make it. Uh, is right here uh, in, in Everett, so it was uh, very convenient because we're near Boeing, uh, where you know Boeing makes yeah. uh, carbon yeah. fiber planes and so Wings, we're making carbon pieces and components of the whole yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of the yep. Okay. So that's so we're we're uh, we're using that technology and uh, taking it to an extreme. So anyway, um, uh, I uh, I designed all the electronics. I'm an electrical engineer and I. I've been designing boards and the wiring, and uh, not only did I design the electronics, I had to build it and assemble it and test it all myself because <laughs> I, I'm the only electrical engineer. And so this has been quite an experience. So you are the only electrical engineer on, on this project. Oh, yeah. 
Yes. Well, did you get people? I mean, I'm assuming in order to put it into the ship or whatever, you had people to help you, right? Or you just it's all. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had uh, we as a team, everybody with it being a small company, there's only like uh, 15, 20 people in the company. Okay. Uh, we're all working together. Uh, you know, th- some are doing wiring. I'm uh, and right. I'm directing them, and, and I'm helping out in other areas that I'm that are not electrical. So it's it's all all encompassing. It's all but, cooperative. Uh, but, okay. Yeah. So uh, after we finished the sub and tested it, uh, we put it on the back of a truck and sent it to St. John's, Newfoundland. And um, we uh, once there, we rented uh, or le- leased or chartered chartered a uh, a 300 foot working vessel uh, that normally li- drops chains and uh, handles um, icebergs out in the ocean. So it's a beautiful big ship. It's like a, a front third of it is like a cruise ship. Everyone had their own cabin with their own restroom and everything. And and on the back of it, it's just a big flat deck. And so we put the sub on the uh, on the back deck and we launched the sub uh, from that. And we the first few weeks. We were not successful getting to the Titanic because you know it's a new vehicle and, and there were things that were not working. Oh, okay. Uh, things because we were well, here in Puget Sound in Washington, we can only test it to 300 feet, which is about as deep as we could get it here. And then, but it's but there are other things were tested uh, at depth in the Atlantic, and so. Um, well, you mean you're you sort of put it in the water, you start diving to a certain depth, and then you get various things indicating that you have to check something or something's going wrong. And yeah. so you, you bring it up, you test it, you fix those things, and then you try again. That's, that's the cycle you're talking about. Yes. Yes. And that was for like the first three weeks. It was just, it was the most stressful moment of my life. It was because if something breaks or if I couldn't fix it, uh, then the expedition is over and it's all on me. And it's millions of dollars spent dozens of people who have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and who is to blame oh bruce <laughs> so well, i'm gonna guess millions of dollars at that rate not so much hundreds of thousands of dollars just, you yeah. know yeah yeah, uh, yeah and, and well, so were, were, were the things that were causing it to come back up your things or other physical uh, there was things it with- was a mix so yeah there were uh the there was one moment it was like a it was really like an apollo 13 moment where the the sub had gone all the way to the bottom, they with made people it, to in the, it with people in it, and yep. they made it to the debris field, and they had explored through there. There was problems with the sonar, so they couldn't actually get to the hull, um, but they were ready to come up. And uh, so there's a, there's a system on the computer where they they say drop weights, and there, there's weights on the bottom of the sub, so they, they drop weights and it makes the sub buoyant and it comes to the surface. Well, when they tried that, it didn't work. And oh, so they were stuck at the bottom. And then so and I was eating dinner or something. And the, and so they said, uh, Bruce, come on up to the deck. And so I, I went up to the bridge and uh, I had to help them uh, to make a cable because there was something we wanted to try to make it so that it would power these drop weight motors directly. And so um, I, I, I talked them through it. Uh, and this was the communications with the sub is over chatting or, you know, typing messages back and forth. Right. And so I had to over texting, uh, give them instructions on how to uh, repurpose one wire in the sub to use it for a completely different purpose. And they didn't have any 
uh, wire strippers or wire clippers. They, they, they used, they had to use pocket knives and, and, uh, <laughs> and twisting the wires together. And, um, uh, it would have been great if that worked, but I didn't have much hope that it would that would work either. So it that that wire that they made it didn't work. So, um, <laughs> but fortunately, we've designed the sub that has multiple levels of emergency systems. So there's another system that's not electrical; it's hydraulic, where it drops uh, uh, a a portion drops the whole cage that holds those those weights. And so once they drop that that cage, uh, it, uh, it went to the bottom and then the sub went to the top. So that was, that was stressful and, uh, but it went fine. And then recovering them at the surface. How many, how, how, how long were you guys out there? I mean, you, you, you guys headed out. It was, it was six weeks. Jeez. Yeah. And now it wasn't continuously six weeks. What we do is we go out there for a week and then come back out, uh, come back to the port. And we'd get a new okay. set of passengers. So yeah. Now, now I, I I I want to finish that last story real quick. You know, uh -huh. you had you had the electrical thing go wrong. You went to a backup hydraulic system. Mm -hmm. you, did you fix it so that next time, like, did, was it a pro? We what, tried. Was, what was the problem? We tried. There was the problem was that the um, uh, the motors we were using uh, were these cheap brushed DC motors. And what happens is the, the oil, uh, these motors are embedded in, in oil, and the oil becomes more viscous uh, oh, or becomes yeah. thicker in the cold temperatures. At the bottom, right. the, the, the temperatures are just barely above freezing. And so yeah. that oil became thicker, and that caused um, uh, just put just enough resistance on those me mechanical resistance to those motors that would stop them. Uh, now on the other ends of the gears, the motor is super strong, but if, but you can, but with a very little amount of force, you can stop a motor at the, at the start of the gearing. So, uh, that's, that's what went, it was basically, we were being cheap. The proper way to do it would have been to use brushless DC motors. I, I was about to say when, when you're like at the bottom of the ocean right now, you, when you're at the bottom of the ocean, you don't want to hear, we use the cheapest parts. <laughs> yes, Exactly. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I don't want to. Well, I can I can name names now because I I I'll tell you I well I can go into this later, but I don't work for the company anymore, so I can say this: it was the CEO's decision to use the cheapest <laughs> motors. <laughs> uh, so, <probably. laughs> yeah, so he's the one sitting at the bottom of the ocean, uh, sit, taking the the blame. Hey, you like those motors? The <laughs> yeah, exactly. work good. You loving it down yeah. there? But the key is to fix that. It wasn't a it wasn't a problem with your electronics. It was a you know you have to that whole chain of stuff needs to be redesigned to be more resilient to the conditions. Exactly. So yeah, those uh, the electronics worked just fine. They were driving the motors at their maximum current, and still the motors just couldn't hack it uh, because of the oil and the temperature and the pressure. So we uh, we tried to come up with other ways, try to make it so that the motors didn't have as much force on them, and and it just didn't work. So we used an alternate method to drop weights, and we we ended up basically backing uh, just using the pneumatic method of dropping weights as our primary method, right? Uh, of dropping weights, yeah. and once we had yeah. set that up, then it uh, we were able to have five successful dives to the Titanic. Three of those were to the hull, 
Um, so just a uh, question on those were mm-hmm. how many of those were pure tasked with employees only or were any of them paying customers? Um, <laughs> we had paying customers every time. <laughs> nice. so, yeah. You, you, so, you'd think at least the first time would be not paying customers. You'd think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, no, we, well, actually, for the very first dive, we had uh, we had one we we had a um, an expert diver who's dove to the Titanic more than anyone else uh, in the world. His name was PJ PH uh, P, P. and um, he's uh, he's a, he's the guy who's responsible for pulling up as many as, as like thousands of artifacts from the Titanic, and he was he was an awesome guy. Um, and um, he's from France, and he lives in the U.S. now. But anyway, the um, uh, that what I just described is not even the most serious thing that happened. The most serious thing that happened was not even an electrical issue. Um, the The front dome on the submarine is held on with a hinge. It's a it's it's a, it's a titanium dome, and it has a uh, plexiglass window. And it's held on with a bunch of bolts all around the ring. And How thick is the plexiglass in, the, in that it's, part? It's about five, six inches thick. Okay. Thick. Okay. And uh, the titanium dome is it weighs four thousand pounds. Jesus. Yeah, that's a lot of so, titanium. Yeah. Now, traditionally, in order to save time, the number of bolts that we put on to hold that four thousand pound Dome is just four bolts. Four. <laughs> and now it's, I know it sounds dumb, but that's what, what we did traditionally because the sub normally does not experience any large jolts. Okay. But, uh, yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> in this case, uh, when, we, when we pull the sub up onto the deck of the ship, it comes up a ramp. And then it, when it comes, when it goes over the knee of that ramp, it has a, a jolt, and on our second dive, uh, it kind of hit the deck a little bit harder than normal. That front dome, it fell off completely. It was the most shocking and disturbing thing uh, I've, I've seen in my life, uh, that this huge dome just fall off. And uh, fortunately, no one was sitting in the dome. That dome is, is big enough that two people can be sitting in there. Fortunately, no one was sitting in. So that when that came off, it fell off. It landed onto the platform, and it almost rolled into the water. Uh, uh, I was like, hey, went, go, and that would have been gone forever. <laughs> Fortunately, it's so heavy, it hit the deck, rolled halfway, and stopped. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't damage the, the 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 window. Didn't even put a scratch on the window, which is incredible to me because you think it would have rolled over it, but it didn't. Uh, and incredibly, it didn't damage the the dome. So we, it was very shocking to everybody, and it was like, you know, uh, now, now just to be clear, the, this yeah. this is w- some of those bolts failed for this thing to fall off. All all the bolts failed. All now, the bolt. Uh, now we have enough room for I think eighteen bolts on this uh, around the ring, and normally you'd think that we would be using all of them. Well, uh, after experiencing that. Ex- that accident, we decided, okay, let's let's take the time to put all the bolts in. And of course, once we did that, we had no more issues. 
So, um, it was, and, uh, and, and so was, I, I mean, I know you said sort of traditionally we used four. was that another cost savings measure? Basically it was more of a time saving thing because when, uh, when, when taking people in and out of the sub, we have to, uh, unscrew all those bolts, open the door and people come out and or in now normally uh, a normal type sub would have a hatch where it's a small door where people squeeze in well because of, of our idea to make this more easy more um uh convenient for customers to come in and out because a lot of the, the customers that we have are elderly um uh, we have this nice big open door and so that's the trade-off there but when we actually went ahead and bit the bullet and put all the bolts in it only took a few minutes more. It's like not even a big deal. So, <laughs> so, so we went ahead and did that. And, um, uh, yeah, that was, that was quite shocking. And oh, it was, it was amazing how we had a spare hinge. We have spare bolts. We had all these extra spare parts to be able to, uh, to put it all back together. And like, but when that dome came off, I thought, Oh, this is going to take days and days to get fixed. Well, no, within like, that day, we had it all back together, back on the sub, and it was, like, ready to go. I was like, wow. <laughs> it was just uh, everyone got together as a team, and we just came together and, and fixed it. And we, you know, despite the, all these challenges that we had, we were successful, which was quite incredible. So you did not successful. go down on any, on any of these dives? No. 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 I, I, now, in, in, the, in our testing phase, when we were here in, in Everett, I did go in the sub uh, for a dive, and uh, it was a shallow dive, and mm -hmm. to test out some of the hardware. <clears throat> but no, I haven't gone on any deep dives. Yeah, how I think I, think I asked you before for that shallow dive. <laughs> it, it, how deep did you go? <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say it was only like ten feet. <laughs> yeah, that's oh. what I thought. You've so, mentioned that on the show before, I think. That's all we needed to do. Uh, that's all we needed to do to be able to test the thrusters. You know, once you're in the water, it's like it doesn't matter whether it's you know five feet deep or fifty feet deep. If you're, all you're testing is, you know, just functionality. So, how 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 long were the uh, were, were the dives when you were out there? They they were like scheduled to go for how how long? Now? Yeah. So the dives are. It takes about two and a half hours to get down. Uh, okay. They spend about four hours uh, at the bottom. Wow. And okay. then about two and a half hours to get up. Uh, so it ends up being about 10 hours all in all. It's about, and okay. So it's, so it's a long, yeah, it's a long, uh, yeah, day. it's a long experience. And, uh, and so one of the first, one of the things that people frequently ask is what is, is there a bathroom on the sub? And <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to say that there is a restroom on the sub. It's essentially a bucket, uh, uh, there and uh, there's a little curtain that people can put up, but of course everyone is exposed to the sounds and smells, uh, whatever. <laughs> and and uh, we have we have women on the sub and we have men on the sub and both men and women use the toilet and yeah that's uh, now I don't I don't think they went number two so uh, fortunately I don't think it was that. Thank, thank God. Uh, did uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, they had the big window up front? So when they were viewing, you know. You know, you didn't go down with them, but when they were down no. there, what, are they normally viewing out the window, or is it more? You know, how how viewable is it through the through the front window that it's got? Oh, and, it's it's very viewable. We have uh, okay. We have five really bright, just blindingly light, uh, bright uh, okay. LED lights on the front. Okay, and uh, there was some video. Uh, you can actually 
uh, see it on the on our one of our YouTube videos is it shows um, it shows like video that was taken by one of our customers from the back, and so you can actually see how bright it is outside. On the inside, we keep it nice and dark, so your eyes really adjust. So right, all the right. light that's that's uh, everything that's illuminated down below is is bright, and everybody can see pretty good. Now um, <clears throat> we have uh, a 4K camera and three other um, uh, HD cameras on the outside of the sub, and uh, so the people who aren't up with their faces pressed up against the the viewport uh, can look at the video coming in on the the big screens that are on the inside. So. What would you say? What What did they, people say about the experience itself? What What was it that most uh, did they Did yeah. they react like Shatner going to space? <laughs> uh, actually, they did. Uh, so the you can imagine the people that are doing this. Uh, for many of them, this was a dream that they've had their whole lives to okay. actually see this, and so they were so astounded. There was actually well, there was uh, one of the dives. Uh, when when the sonar didn't quite work and they couldn't actually they made it to the debris field, which is this huge area. It's like a couple square miles of just plates and floor tiles and clothes and bottles and and stuff. Um, it's all scattered around there. And so uh, on one of the dives, that's all they were able to get to see. But they were happy with that. And um, and and so yeah, these are people who have just. Uh, one of the customers who didn't actually get to go because the, the, the sub failed, I asked her, you know, if she minded if uh, if they were only going to have a couple hours at the, at the Titanic rather than four. And she was like, oh, I don't care if I just had five minutes at the hull. I mean, or at the at the bow, I'd just be totally happy. I'm like, OK, well, these people are no fanatics. <laughs> so um, uh, because we had an issue with the batteries. Uh, that was one of the major things that I was dealing with. And so um, at one point I hooked up, we had two big batteries and one of them was failing. And so I was able to offer to uh, them that we can hook it up in such a way that they're able, only able to have half as much battery life as they would normally have. And uh, it's like, so you're only able to have four hours at the bottom rather than six. And so they were, uh, they were satisfied with that. So, but by the so, end of the expedition, I had fixed both batteries, and they were and they were able to have uh, a full length dive. Okay, ten hours down there. Any of them? I mean, I've seen people cooped up in those spaces, and some people like get really bad cabin fever and freak out. Anybody? Oh, anybody yeah. with an incident related well, to that? We 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 definitely vet our customers ahead of time to make sure that that doesn't happen because the last thing we want is for them to get in there and then they decide, ah, get me out of here, and it's like, sorry. You're going down, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, we uh, when a, when a customer comes uh, signs up, we bring them out to our facility, or we or they fly themselves out to our facility, and we'll give them a test dive. We'll give them, you know, kind of with one of our other subs that is more shallow, and we'll do it here in the Puget Sound, and so they can see what the whole process is like of getting in, diving, coming up, and and all. And if they don't freak out then that's okay. Now, one instance where we did have that happen where uh, people did were claustrophobic is um, the, the producer of, um, of a show for Discovery Channel. So Discovery Channel wanted to have, wanted to make a movie about us uh, okay. or a documentary about us. And so they brought out their whole crew and they had their 
their their guy i forget the name what his name was but i never i don't watch discovery channel so i didn't recognize the guy but anyway he he got in the sub and they did a dive and he and he really did not like it because no. he just felt so claustrophobic he did not like the idea of that big heavy door being closed in on him and having to be bolted into this thing and going way down and because of that Discovery Channel basically decided they they, they didn't want to do a documentary on us. So like, yeah. okay, jeez, <laughs> I thought you wanted to have an exploration show. <laughs> yeah, it's like come, give us someone who is not chicken. Exactly. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Uh, oh, so well, presumably, so. like you you mentioned, your your some of your customers are older. So mm-hmm. presumably there's also the potential of a health issue while down there. And I guess you're just shit out of luck. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, possibly. Yeah. I guess we do have a first aid kit down there, but, um, <laughs> but like, like if somebody, no, we, there's, if somebody there's has no, a heart attack, uh, yeah, then forget it, then. first of, first of all, you have to get them up and then you're on a ship out in the middle of the ocean anyway, that, you know, you probably don't have the right facilities. Yeah. There's, there's so no AED had, in the sub. Sorry. No. <laughs> Uh, but we do have plenty of oxygen. Uh, people often ask, oh, how, what if there's an emergency, how long can you be down there? We have enough oxygen and, a C- and CO2 absorber to last for three days. Oh, so, okay. All right. So that's a pretty yeah. good, good safety margin. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, yeah. Although, like, unless you have, like, some mechanism to, like, like if they get stuck down there, mm-hmm. like, if, if all of your mechanisms to get the ballast out had failed – you don't have a backup plan to get them, right? Well, the the simplest thing that could happen is uh, if if some like a there's there's a lot of debris down there at the Titanic. There's even rope and wire and stuff that's just hang that's just dangling out there. And if for some reason if if um, if the thrusters like the propellers if uh, if a, if it got if something got sucked into those thrusters, uh, you're 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 done. Because there's no way you can like go out there and untangle that. All you can do is run your thrusters forward and backward, and if it's stuck, it's stuck. So what would have to happen uh, would is we would have enough time to call out an emergency uh, ROV. We'd have to uh, ask for someone to come out with an ROV. Uh, that would be a remote operated vehicle to go down and robotically cut or you know, dislodge whatever is keeping the sub stuck down there. And so uh, we would have just enough time to do that. Wow. Yeah. So I, I guess one question we haven't asked yet. How mm-hmm. much? Oh, um, the price was, at the beginning of this year, it was $125,000. And the price has uh, just gone up. Uh, for next year's expedition, it's $250,000 per person. So, so now in your absence, a... well, it's not that bad. I mean, considering some of the other stuff and you're going out, I mean, how long are you staying out there? Uh, it's basically, it's a one week cruise and, mm-hmm. uh, we take, uh, 15 people at a time and, uh, three of those days are dive days. We can't dive up to five days, but we have two contingency days in case there's bad weather. Bad weather, and yeah. so so each person, each of those fifteen customers, gets to go for one of those days on a dive, and we take three. Basically, we have a pilot, 
uh, a scientist or archaeologist that goes down with them and three customers in the sub. And so that's the way it works out. And uh, it's interesting. So, you, know, you tell some people, and they go, oh, wow, that's incredibly expensive. And you tell other people, go, oh, that's not that bad. And, and when you consider people are paying close to half a million dollars to go on to Virgin Galactic. That's what I was and, thinking, yeah. And that's like a 15-minute ride. Right. Uh, you know. this, is a, this is a 10-hour ride, and you spend actually four hours at the Titanic exploring all around. So in that sense, it's a pretty good, good deal, I think. So okay, uh, we're we're just about at time for this segment, but mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned briefly in passing you're no longer with the company. Uh, yeah. Did they fire you for screwing up? What's the deal here? <laughs> no, no. Basically, uh, the company is so small they don't have enough resources to maintain an engineering department and a marketing department at the same time. So now that the sub is built, I basically don't have much to do. Um, there's a few things that need to be fixed and improved, but that could basically be done with a technician. Um, they have, uh, so like, now, I assume technicians like that they can that now can take over whatever you built. Yeah, yeah, but now, now they don't have a they don't have a technician hired yet. So good luck oh. finding someone right now. But uh, but basically, they uh, they got rid of a couple of engineering guys. Uh, and they're they're hiring a bunch of marketing people right now. So now the object is to sell, sell, sell. They're they're uh, taking the sub on a nationwide tour, coast to coast. It'll actually be down in Miami here in a month or so. Uh, okay. th- they're going to show to some rich people down there, yeah. and um, so <laughs> uh, so so yeah, that's what's going on. I. I wasn't necessarily fired. I was basically given a hint that they really didn't need me anymore. And so, uh, and that was really good because I had no idea how hot the job market is. I started looking for a job and I was interviewing like crazy. I was having literally interviews every day and I had up to six, about six companies in the interview pipeline by the time I decided on a, on, on a company. And so I started a new job on Monday and I'm working from home. Just like you all. Nice. Well, there you go. Cool. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, let's let's take a break, and we will come back. The the submarine stuff was 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 great. A change of pace for us on this show, but I think it was uh, (laughs) it was very interesting. No, no, no. It was very interesting. Thank you. Well, let me mention for the viewers at home. I give I'll give a homework assignment. Uh, Go to YouTube. And search for Titanic. Uh, let me see. What was it? Let me give you the actual search terms to find it really easily. Search, do the the words uh, Titanic Expedition 2021, and you'll it'll take you right to the video. And it's a six and a half minute video uh, that gives you a good overview of our expedition. And if you put Titanic Expedition 2022, that video was just released today. And I'm actually more prominent in that that video that was released today. I I'm, I'm in like three or four cuts of that video. So, but yeah, do the search on the on YouTube and you'll see all about it. Excellent. Uh, so let's take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk about pandemic and whatever is going on with that these days. Uh, back after this. My name is Brandy Donaghy, and I'm running for Snohomish County Council in District Five. 
I've always believed in public service. I demonstrated that belief over 25 years ago when I enlisted in our nation's military, and I still carry that faith with me. I believe we have a responsibility to step up for our community when we have the means to do so. It's why I've continued to volunteer and why I'm running for Snohomish County Council today. Remember, ballots are due by November 2nd. I'm Brandy Donaghy, Democrat, and I'm asking for your vote. Paid for by friends of Brandy Donaghy. Okay, we are back and it's time to talk pandemic. Um, As usual, I'll start with the trends and then we'll hear where Bruce wants to tell us about how we're wrong on everything. Um, (laughs) So so, uh, trend-wise, worldwide deaths uh, had been going down, 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 down. It had been for a long, long time. We're very, very close to the point where for the first time ever in the pandemic, we'll be less than we were 52 weeks earlier for the seven, seven day average of, uh, daily deaths worldwide. But just in the last couple of days before this recording of the podcast, the decline seems to have stalled out. <laughs> now, if it stays flat or only goes up a little bit, we will still be better off than a year ago soon because a year ago things were going up rapidly at this time. Um, but we'll see, uh, or, and, and, you know, this could always be a temporary pause. We've had them before where it pauses for a few days and then starts going back down again. Who knows? But, uh, or this could be the start of the next global wave for the fall slash winter. Um, too early to say, um, well, we'll know more soon, but I, I remember a couple of weeks back, I was like, look, if you line up this year with last year, it kind of looks like all the ups and downs are matching up with last year, but about like four weeks delayed. So every, every peak and valley of last year's worldwide trends is matched by a peak or foul peak or valley this year, but four weeks later in the calendar. Um, approximately the actual amount, if you look at each peak or valley, like some of them are a little bit more than that, some a little bit less, but approximately that. So we'll see if that continues or not. Uh, hopefully if there is another wave, it's smaller than the last few, uh, because of increased vaccination, et cetera. Um, in the U S specifically though, um, uh, I was about to say we're still going uh, down, but I just refreshed the U.S. graph, and it's got the same kind of pause that's in the worldwide graph. Um, so I guess we'll see. Um, in looking at the uh, global pattern, sort of where it's divided up, um, it looks like the region that is actually growing now uh, in terms of daily deaths is Europe, is starting to head up a little bit. Um, and the Americas have sort of flattened. Um, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. That, that's where the trends are in terms of daily deaths. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, okay. So given that Bruce, where do you want to take the pandemic talk? Well, we can talk about masks, vaccination, uh, who should get vaccinated, vac- vaccine mandates, uh, uh, natural versus uh, artificial immunity. Uh, a lot of things I wanted to, to talk about. Pick so, one, pick one, and let's all, start. Um, uh, masks. Um, I initially was a strong advocate for masks. It. Uh, I, I mentioned 
on the chat that uh, back in late January of 2020, yep. advised everyone to get masks. Because when I became aware of this, first thing I did is I went to the to the drugstore to go get masks, and they were all cleaned out except for one last box. So I got the last box in town, and uh, and so um, uh, initially they were saying don't wear masks. Now I'm the type who is whenever someone says one, whenever the government says one thing, you automatically I'm assume the opposite. I need to do. I need to do the exact opposite. And um, so, so you met so, my wife, I guess. <laughs> you know, okay. I, I I really think that there's there's two types of people. There are, there are people who who uh, when the government says you should be doing this, people are like very obedient and they go, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And then there are others who are naturally just resist. And I'm of the latter. Because uh, when the government was saying, don't wear masks, I'm, I'm, I was thinking, okay, I need to be wearing masks. And as soon Take as time. the government said, yes, wear masks, you're like, meh, maybe not. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't exactly, you know, right along the timing. But uh, over time, I looked at the, at the actual data, I looked at the curves, and I saw that mask wearing was, you know, and I, and even with my own eyes, I could see that everyone's wearing a mask, and yet the, the the virus is doing its thing no matter what. If you, uh, whether people are wearing masks or not, whether there's mandate or not, uh, the, the 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 case rates uh, didn't get affected by it. Um, as remember early on, they were saying, "Oh, if everyone would just wear a mask for two weeks, we'd be done with this thing." Well, no, that was not the case. Uh, if you try to plot um, mask usage versus case rates, there's no correlation whatsoever. Um, and so, uh, as far as I'm concerned, masks may, mask may be effective, but, but at least, and you've, and you've mentioned this in this podcast, uh, the way people are wearing them and the ones that people are wearing, uh, are in no way being effective. In other words, the only way masks are effective is if everyone were to wear a tightly fitting N95 mask all the time. And nobody is willing to do that. And there's no way that they're going to be able to make people do that. Uh, so why even try? That's why. That's my. Well, I, I, my. I think here's the one thing about it. Look, and and, and, I, and, and you seem to lean on like some of the uh, things that I get into arguments about the absolutism about about any measure whatsoever. And um, look, my my whole thing about uh, look, masks, like everything, is not a perfect protection, you know. Uh, even even an N95 mask is not a, a perfect protection. Um, it, it's been shown that that's the case. But it's it's like everything when when you okay. If I tell you, uh, look, uh, if you, it, it, it's like I, I equate it to the same relationship like in a car. Okay, mm -hmm. look, I, I I go in a car and uh, if I have uh, a seatbelt, I reduce the death rate by X amount. I add an airbag, I reduce the death rate by, by X amount. If I add anti-lock brakes, I, I reduce it by X amount. If I add, uh, you know, automatic uh, emergency braking that can detect the person, that adds a certain feature. And it's the same thing as a mask. Look, it's like every measure of what you do, it's like how much it reduces the risk. And it's like, look, do you want to just say, I'll go, I'll take every risk? Or I say, look, if I decide that 
I'm not going to go and hang out at bars for a while because there's a lot of cases. If I decide that when I go out, if most people wear a mask, if you do that, then your risk is reduced and everybody's risk is reduced. But the thing is that not, none of the measures are perfect. Look, it, it goes back to the, the only thing like the, uh, the, the only people that did something insane enough for it to work in this case and say of like, you know, you mentioned like everybody wearing a mask, the virus would go down is what the Chinese did in, in Wuhan, which is insane which is impossible mm -hmm. to do in a democratic society. I mean, they basically locked people in buildings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now they, that, they that actually say, welded doors and didn't let, let, let oh, people yeah. for 45 days. They got yeah. their food delivered. They had to They had to actually put notes uh, in, 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 and send it for the military. They would bring you food, your medicine, uh, you know, toilet paper, that kind of stuff. And you weren't allowed to, to leave. And the government basically gave almost everybody some kind of subsidy, so so wages could we pay to everybody so didn't people go broke, and lock them inside for forty five days. People were going nuts. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and, and that's and it's similar. It's, it's close to that. And well, you, and, and so, well, you say that that can't be done in a democratic society. Well, it was done, or it's it being done in Australia. No. Well, in Australia, yes. In Australia, I, mean, I, I saw that. But but here's the problem. But but here's the thing. I don't actually agree with either, you know, with, with the fact that, that that you go into a lockdown that's as insane as what the Chinese did. But but the problem is that, it, you know, Hong Kong went in a in a measure that wasn't like 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 Australia and so forth. When after about 30 days that, you know, at first with the pandemic, they they went first, they sent people to work from home and they asked people not to go out. And they said, look, everybody just we need to go out to work. But the one thing that I saw that I saw there, because I, I had, you know, I had an office that I managed there, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, up until not that long ago, was that, look, people were wearing, taking precautions, you know, far more at a higher percentage than we were. And so when you get people that go and decide, OK, um, these are the precautions that will work. OK, we'll all do it. You know, most of us will do it. OK, but but the truth is that in the U.S. at, at no point was anything at that level i mean well you know uh, it's i i think everyone was willing blindness. to do it for a short time you ah. go from mid-march mid-march to mid-april it was dead you could drive on the roads and it seemed like it was like uh, some sort of uh, end of the world scenario in washington nobody. state oh, not yeah. so much in florida okay. oh really let me tell you something that, that's the thing that was regional look i went in Texas, I thought called my brother. All oh, people were dining at restaurants. They didn't care. They were all even in late everything. March. Yeah, they, they, they were. They were still going out to eat. They didn't care. Wow. So they, there, there's well. a lot. The problem is, <laughs> look. Here's the one thing. But but what I say is, the people is like, listen, wear a mask or not. Wait, listen, I'm telling you, hey, if you do this, even it's not a perfect. It, it's not perfect security. You know, it might reduce your risk an amount. You know, yeah, by like one or two percent. But but it, but what you add, but listen, you get listen, you get three percent from your mask wearing. You get an extra thirty percent from from being away from people at a distance. You get it, it, it's it's everything. It's a this this is the problem. People keep seeing like everything as like oh well that's not perfect protection. Listen, there is nothing. Listen, listen, there is nothing perfect. 
There is no, listen, I can't give you a stock portfolio recommendation that is perfect. <laughs> Can I tell you that if you do these things that you'll minimize your risk? Yes. Will you go all in anyway and not do any of it and just say, fuck it, and I'll just risk my portfolio 100%? No. But the thing is that this has been politicized in a way that even if I tell people, hey, do these things and you'll mitigate your risk, ah, I won't do any of it. And it, it, it it's a problem. <laughs> Because that's what okay. reacted by everybody. It's it, instead of like you know going and looking at it. Oh, if I do these things, I might re reduce my risk. If I if I don't go out to bars, if I try to you know minimize the to home dining, if I just go to places that are masked, I reduce certain activities. I make sure that I that I socially distance. Oh, I might reduce when I add up all those things. I reduce my risk. 50, 60 percent. Hey, that doesn't sound bad. Nah, screw it. I'll just act like nothing's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but let, let, the one piece that's been missing about this conversation so far today, and we have talked about it on the show before, is also it's not you'll never get anywhere if you're only considering the effect on an individual. It's the network effect and the effect over entire populations that matter with this kind mm -hmm, of thing right. uh, in terms of how it controls or does not control the spread. And you mentioned, you know, some of the charts, and I've seen many of them as well, that sort of pick certain places and mark off when they added mask mandates and when they took them off. And, you know, you, you see like the same overall pattern, the ups and downs in, in all the locations. Um, and, and, and it tries to, tries to draw the conclusion that, okay, therefore masks didn't make any difference whatsoever. But where I've seen, for, first of all, m I've yet to see one of those comparison charts that looks like that come from what I would consider a reputable unbiased source. And <laughs> yes, th that's number one. But, but when the problem I, is also the controlling the data. And yeah, the that's what and I was like, going to say next. And what they're wearing, mass there, or there no, have been, whatever. There I have mean, been, the data is so I, imperfect. That, there there, there have only been a handful of cases that where I've seen analysis done that controls for a whole, a, a whole bunch of the proper factors and tries to compare like to like. And when you do that, uh, though, those, the most recent one was, wh where was it? It was, uh, it was in, was it in Pakistan? It was it Pakistan Bangladesh. or in, was it Bangladesh? It was in yeah. Ba there was a study that came out about mask wearing in Bangladesh. Yeah, and they yeah. They, they did a they did a, you know control groups and blah blah blah. That was one. There have been a few others that are based uh, not in uh, you, you know. And there have been a couple others that try to control properly to make sure the populations you're talking about are similar and measure actual usage rather than whether or not there's a mandate because there's a difference between those things. Most of those have shown that higher levels of mask wearing does correlate to less spread of the disease. Now, Sorry, is it... Sorry, I'm having trouble hearing you. Siri is objecting to yeah. this argument. That, now, yes, now does do, do did any of those places, even with the best mask wearing, drive things to zero? No. It was like I believe the Bangladesh study showed that the mask wearing was like a twenty percent reduction in spread or something like that. Which, when things are you know are spreading out of control, I mean, even with the twenty percent reduction, it's still a lot of spread. It's just less, and that's yeah. still important. So okay, so here's the other thing um, I want to talk about is the uh, vaccines. Okay. So, um, do you all agree that natural immunity that one acquires from having had getting COVID is better than than getting the vaccine? 
No, no, no. From everything I <laughs> no, and none of the data show that it's that. What yeah, you're saying. What, about the, what about the Israel study that has millions of people? No, none of the data shows that what you're saying that 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 is saying is true. There have been a variety of studies on this. Most of them are are showing that the rate at which the immunity degrades um, is is faster. For the natural than for the the vaccines, it depends on which vaccine. I should say. What I will say a lot of is that what I've seen for people that I've friends of mine that I've had COVID and then got vaccinated is that look the the data shows that actually that if you had COVID and get vaccinated, it is better. Yeah. Now that but, that is absolutely the case. Like the yeah. ar- the argument is 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 never like does the having it naturally substitute for a vaccination but if you have had it naturally and get vaccinated you're much better off than if you'd only been vaccinated That's correct well no i would say it'd be better the other way around if you get vaccinated and then get covid then your mortality is much lower and your immunity is going to be much better than getting it either way. Well, that, that's true too. If you're going to catch COVID, it's better to, if you're going to catch COVID, it's much better to get it after the vaccination because you're much more likely to have a mild case. Absolutely. Yeah. You you do not want to be one of the ones who gets uh, COVID without any prior you know vaccination, anything. That's just the worst possible state yeah. to be in. So I don't have any like data. I don't have an article like pulled up or any, I don't have hardy data, but from what the things that I've studied and uh, researched on this, uh, the immunity that one gets from actually contracting it is much stronger than the vaccine because the vaccine only uh, trains your uh, your immune system on certain parts of the, the virus, uh, namely the, the spike protein. Whereas when one actually catches the, the actual disease, the uh, the the immune system is trained on the entire virus, not just the spike proteins, and so mm-hmm. it's 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 easier for the body to recognize it, and so that's a you get a stronger, longer lasting immunity that way. Because and if you, and even if you just look at the numbers of uh, of people who have had recurring instances of virus, you're getting a lot more breakthrough cases from people who have only been vaccinated versus people who have had recurring instances of, um, you know, catching COVID twice. I mean, how many people have caught COVID twice? You probably, there's only maybe only a few hundred people in the whole country. So you said, you, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You said you didn't have um, uh, an article at hand. So I, I looked yeah. up, there's an article from Johns Hopkins, uh, September 10th. So it's fairly recent. Um, a common reason, uh, the, the headline from this, from John Hop, Johns Hopkins, is vaccines beat natural immunity and fight against COVID. Um, the reading the beginning, a common reason cited for not getting vaccinated against COVID-19, especially among the young and healthy, as I trust my immune system or some variation. The same goes for those who have already had the virus. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm just trying to get to the summary here. Um, blah, blah, blah. Come on, give me summary data. <laughs> I, I hate this. Anyway, well, John, John, I, mean, I, would John think, Top- I would think the strongest evidence would just be just counting. Now, how many people have had COVID twice versus how many people have had COVID that, after but, getting vaccinated? But, but, but that's not that's not good counting because it's like, okay, if those people that got COVID then decided to basically lock themselves in their house, it's not like you're going out there and then exposing them to the virus and then seeing how good they are at at, at catching it again. That's that's a that's a really not a great way of exactly trying to to see if one is better 
you know, if, if you get better protection. Look, the 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 and, and it's kind of difficult also to track it because so many people have been vaccinated, right? That it, it's so it's I, just, I have I have I, the number here from this Johns Hopkins article. I found it. It's a you know, I had to skim through the whole article to find it because it wasn't at the top. Okay. But um sure. the basically the number they're saying is if you've been naturally infected with COVID. 19 and you aren't vaccinated your risk of getting reinfected with symptomatic disease as opposed to just you know a positive test is about 2.5 times uh the vaccinated people there you go so here's your hard data well then well that's that's shocking because uh there's large numbers of people who are getting breakthrough uh breakthrough cases well, and but remember, though, a lot of those breakthrough cases are are are, are asymptomatic as well. But but yes, there there are a lot of people getting breakthrough. There are a lot of people getting breakthrough cases because there are a lot of vaccinated people now. But the percentages are less. You always have to be really careful about the denominators when you're looking at these yeah. things. <clears throat> so anyway, I guess that's one where one place where I'll have to gather some better data uh, to to argue. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's mainly what I wanted to bring up because I, I, uh, I will say here, here's one thing. And I, and I will say one thing that I think that, that probably we're, I'm more in agreement. Sam is a little bit more in disagreement about this. I don't really think that most of the, the, the lockdowns have been carried out. have really worked that the, the, the only, the only reason why to institute a lockdown is what, why the Chinese tried to do one in the first place, which is you try to do 45, 60 days. And when you, you think that. If you lock people down long enough, the virus will burn itself out and therefore, you know, people can can go back and whatever. And, and you were able to better prepare the hospital systems or whatever to do that. The reality is that because doing that is so harsh that I, I have always been on the side of 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 more uh, what I did with my staff, like at people and some countries that like in Hong Kong, where, you know what? life as normal didn't really stop. What we did is, okay, we added a whole bunch of extra measures to try to protect people. Uh, we made sure that there was like universal mask wearing at the office and so forth and so on. Certain activities were, you know, we did certain things a little bit different, but, but, but not stopping, but not stopping everything. Uh, well, yeah, and, when and you, when was, you lock down things hard enough there, you're, all you're doing is you're delaying the inevitable. You know, because yeah. COVID is endemic. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. The, the, the key, the key to that, like, and, and I think you're right about the length of time and everything else. Like, for first of all, I, I think leaky lockdowns sort of defeat the purpose in the same way. Like, I, the one of the things that drove me crazy this whole time, right, are restaurants that required staff to be masked, but if you're eating, you didn't have to, and like you have to wear the mask in and then take it off to eat. Like, that's stupid. Like. You know, you either need the masks when you're indoors or you don't. You don't have some, like, well, but I'm eating Well, otherwise no one's going to eat there and they go out of business. Well, right. So but that, that's why, like, but then, yeah, that's why you need to eat outside or you need to do takeout or whatever. But, like, that whole idea of, like, there being some sort of magical eating exemption to, to, to masking was just stupid. Like, you're, you're either safe inside or you're not. And, but anyway, but the, 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 on lockdowns, the, I, the length had to be, if you are going to do a lockdown, first of all, you have to do a serious lockdown like Australia did or like China did or whatever. And you let up on the on that only once you've got everybody vaccinated. 
Because if you, or, or until the case rates have gone so close to zero that you don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. right? Exactly. Uh, I agree with what, what we got, the the advice that we got back in late March of 20, was the best advice we ever got. We, We just need to flatten the curve. Right. Just enough yeah. so that so that the healthcare system can keep can up. Can be prepared. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. And if we if we squash it down any further, we end up re- you know, killing the economy. Uh, basically, everyone's going to get it. And we need to now, now that we have fortunately, miraculously, now that we have this vaccine, you know, we need to encourage as many people to get it as possible, not using force. But threatening to fire them. Right. <laughs> that's force as far as i'm concerned <laughs> and uh but uh but then you know eventually everyone's going to catch this thing and then it'll be over but uh in the meantime it's well and, and i think the, the key the key to all of that though it, the key was timing right yeah y- yes everybody's going to get it eventually but you want to push that out far enough in the future that you have good vaccines you have good treatments you have good everything else yep. so that catching it is not something you have to worry about any more than you have to worry about a cold or a flu before. And, you know, that wasn't true at first, but I mean, where, where we are at this point is essentially, you know, once you are fully vaccinated, assuming you keep up on boosters and all that other kind of stuff, then, you know, what, what the Trumpies were saying at the beginning of, oh, it's just a few, oh, it's just a flu is now kind of true once everyone's fully vaccinated. Yeah. Well, in a, in a couple of weeks, Merck is going to have a pill. And, yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. And yep. Then, yep. then it'll be a treatment. And the monoclonal yeah. antibodies were pre- yeah. are a pretty decent treatment, too. Um, you know, the, the, that's the only ones that are like are actually like backed by scientific evidence are the new Merck pill and the monoclonal antibodies. Uh, everything else is sort of woo. Listen, I, I'm going to. Let me just say one thing before I forget this. Look, the one thing on the vaccine mandates. Look, I, 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 some, today my wife called me. There's this 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 person that she knows, who by the way went to college in the U.S. and so forth. And I don't know if you recall, but when you and I went to college, there was a vaccine mandate, and if you didn't produce evidence of your vaccines, they would not let you start in school. Mm-hmm. Okay, we had to produce that. And so there's a lot of people now that because how politicized the COVID vaccines have become, they all forget that they lived their entire life under vaccine mandates. And they got a whole bunch of vaccines in order to go do a whole bunch of stuff. And they took them, okay? But because this has been politicized now, all of a sudden, I, you know, it, it, my whole thing is well, is not, they did not live on this principle before. Now. Well, those vaccines, those, but those vaccines are of a much better safety pro, uh, safety profile than these, uh, these vaccines. I, I I don't know that that's that's actually the case, but OK, because a lot of vaccines, you remember 30, 40 years that we're talking about had such high, uh, high, uh, high, high risk problems that there's even a, there, there was a reason why there was legal immunity passed to the vaccine makers. There's a reason why there's a fund to pay when when people got sick from those vaccines. And there was a big case back in the Ford administration where they tried to push through a vaccine and they wound up getting a lot of people like very sick, which is one of the reasons why people got really concerned about vaccines and tests way back in the 70s that they try to push i can't remember what disease it was they it tried was to push i think it was the swine flu swine flu i can't remember which one it was but yeah. but bottom line they got a lot of people sick it, it happened none of that shit has happened with this vaccine okay but my but my well, point is that they did first, uh, they paused they paused the j&j for a while yeah, they pa- they paused it for a few days and then determined it wasn't an issue after all but bruce my whole point is 
these people did not ever exhibit this principle they're talking about now. Okay. Never, never in their life. Now that this has been politicized, now all of a sudden they're talking about principles that they never had before. I'm sorry. No, that's just. And suddenly they're starting to say, oh, we don't need the smallpox vaccine. Oh, now I'm a libertarian because now I, I don't like this vaccine. Bullshit. You never believed in that shit in your entire life. And now for some reason, because you've been watching whatever YouTube video from whatever moron now that you like to watch is like now all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I have these principles that you never had your entire life. Well, look, <laughs> you went to college and you fucking showed vaccine evidence for everything. Forget college, you, elementary you, school, high school, elementary everything. school, college, every damn step of the way. Now you're saying your employer said, well, either you get the vaccine or you're fired. And now, well, now I am going to stand on my principle that I never had before. <laughs> you know what? Listen, cut the book, cut the bullshit. Okay. You never had that principle before. Now you've just had your, your entire brain has been eaten by this entire corrosive political environment that we got out there. And now you're standing on principle that you never had now bullshit. I have no sympathy for these people. I, I know that there's a whole bunch of people that have these principles before that they have it. That's a different story. But 99% of these people never had did until now. Yeah. Well, so, uh, I, I, well, I'll full, full uh, disclosure. I have been vaccinated, so I believe in it. And I had to push through my, my natural, uh, resistance to uh, to you know resistance to obeying what the government says by looking <laughs> at the data, and I I realized okay the 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 safety is acceptable to me versus the benefit that I get, so I decided to go ahead and take it. I, um, I, I, look, I got to tell you something. Maybe me, me, uh, I, I'm I'm on this bad one on the vaccines board where I've had you know I had people die in my family from COVID. It's not uh, you know it, it was it was horrible. I had. Uh, you know, I had employees uh, that I, mean, I had, you know, I had employees affected. I, I didn't have employees directly die, but I had employees that had like their wife, their mom, their their uncle, something. Every damn week there was somebody called me. Oh, shit, this happened. I'm like, oh, fuck, somebody else died again. Shit. Uh, you know, my family, a lot of it got it. And thankfully, uh, in Puerto Rico specifically. Uh, but thankfully, no, no, nobody had a, a case that wound up in the hospital, but it, it, but it's like messed up when, you know, like my, 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 my wife comes over and tells me that her best friend's niece in Colombia, basically she almost died. I mean, they, they had to airlift her to a, a unit that had these, what, one, one of these epoch machines because her, her entire body started shutting down and she was completely responsive. And after three months in the hospital, thankfully she's out. But of course, with a lot of like symptoms that, uh, are, are still with her for a 10 year old. And I'm just like, you know, I, I, I just, I, I just, sometimes I just get like, uh, I don't know. I, I want to make sure that I keep more people protected. I got my son who's not vaccinated because you know, the vaccine's not released for him yet. And I want to make sure that he's as safe as possible at this time. So. Yeah. Uh, it's an individual decision. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> that, no, see that that's where, our, or, there, oh, timer, timer. <laughs> there you go. Saved by the bell. Well, you know, the, I'll, I'll just finish up that, that that's where I, I go off on this. The, the whole individual th- decision thing um, applies when you're the only one affected. But the, the issue with with vaccines and mandates and everything else is that 
by getting vaccinated, you are helping to protect everybody else, especially people out there who can't get vaccinated or who or who are immunocompromised or anything else like that. And but, but that assumes that assumes that make that taking the vaccine makes you less infective. No, no, it does not. No, no, that is not. And people keep bringing this up because there is something that has shown that if you are infected, then the vaccinate your vaccination status does not make a huge difference in the chances of you infecting other people. However, because the vaccine reduces your chance of getting infected in the first place by a lot, you are still less of a danger to everybody else. And so, yeah, you are protecting everybody else. Um, then why because are the case rates uh, indistinguishable from vaccination rates? If you well, were to, one, if you do a, a plot, you, if, you, no, if you do a plot, because, because because the problem is that for the vaccines to really reduce infection as much as we really want the vaccine rates have to be way higher than where we're at right now they really would have to be way over like it's why 97 98 percent well it's really Uh, easy to be able to put a number out there that nobody can actually no 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 there there is data no no there are places where that that has been achieved okay in small in communities okay and it's shown that in those communities that have achieved those high vaccination rates that, yeah, case case numbers all of a sudden start plummeting substantially. The, the infection rates are three to four times less. OK, and so that, but that the problem is that very few places are near to those numbers. And so therefore, that's why you keep seeing what's going on. And so, it, it, I mean, it, it's just <laughs> and it, must, it must be a it must be a step function because uh, there, there's no you would think that uh, that places with higher vaccination rates would have lower case rates but that is not what's happening so there's simulations there's simulations you can go to online uh, that look at um epidemic spread based on how many people are immune are immune and things like that um and it does change very rapidly it's a very nonlinear function um and and you you can look right now you know you're right some of these rates are going to be really hard to achieve in anything but very small communities i think portugal is still doing better than anywhere else in the world and i just pulled up their numbers and they're at 87 percent well puerto rico wound up getting like some places that the vaccination rates are close to 100 percent, and they've shown that case cases were in puerto rico that were very high have like in those places have like almost vanished yeah i saw yeah, apparently Puerto Rico is the is the highest vaccination rate in the in the in the U.S. right now. It, it, it yes, yeah. So anyway, anyway, well, timer went off. We need to move on. Yeah, the timer went off. I I, I just I just want to give one more thing. Uh, the two and a half roughly per number for uh, the difference between vaccinated and uh, people who have a vaccination versus people who got COVID. Um, came from a, a, a CDC study in Kentucky. Uh, it was released in August. Um, so uh, if you want to go digging more, um, the the original the original study was done in May, May through June of 2021. Uh, it was released in August, um, and there were some yeah so some press releases around uh, about it around that time. Uh, there there have been others, but I think that's where that particular number came from. Uh, so. Uh, 
I th- I think that's enough pandemic for now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, let's take a break, uh, and we will come back uh, for one more segment about uh, all things congressional. Back after this. My name is Brandy Donaghy, and I'm running for Snohomish County Council in District 5. I believe in crafting proactive policies because I know that it makes us more resilient. Being resilient means that when we're faced with adversity and knocked off balance, we need fewer resources and less time to recover, and that benefits everyone. For more information, visit brandyforcouncil.com. Remember, ballots are due by November 2nd. I'm Brandy Donaghy, Democrat for Snohomish County Council in District 5, and I'm asking for your vote. Paid for by friends of Brandy Donaghy. See? No yelling. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Uh, before we before we start uh, our next segment, I also... There was breaking news while we've been talking here. Um, Alec Baldwin yes, killed I saw someone. that. That Alec Baldwin, apparently with the, what was supposed to be a prop gun, shot somebody. Killed shot them. two people. Yeah. It was supposed to... Now, now I could see, like... People shooting with blanks and prop guns and stuff has killed actors and other people before. before. It has happened before. But, but like, he shot two people. Well, I don't know. Wouldn't you notice after the first one? Well, he was probably not, because if they're doing an act and they're like, whatever, it's like... No, he killed the... He killed, like, the director. No, he killed the director of photography. It's not like they were doing a scene. Well, if you're going bang, bang, you probably, if you're thinking, I would say for my, what I'm thinking, if I'm thinking I'm He's shooting doing blanks, a joke, he goes bang, bang, and boom. Right. You're not like yeah. stopping to assess what happened. And maybe you think the guy's faking it. Oh, what? so they were using a real gun by mistake. Well, no, well, I, well, they the, don't know. The, 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 ofi- the official statement from the sheriff of Santa Fe County, where this happened uh, in New Mexico, um, the sheriff's office confirms that two individuals were shot on the set of Rust, uh, and it's the director of photography and the director, were shot when a prop firearm was discharged by Alec Baldwin. So it's a prop Producer firearm. and actor. So it, it's happened before where those those prop firearms have, have, have discharged something that unexpected. So, oh boy. Wow. That, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, the investigation remains open and active. No charges have been filed. Oh, it just I, happened. I guess it didn't it just happen. Just happened. Okay. So, Congress, <laughs> there are a few things going on. So, let's. What do you want to talk about first? We've got the Bannon contempt stuff, we've got the Voter Rights Act stuff. We've got um, the infrastructure discussions. Um, I think those are the main ones. Uh, Each one of those has subparts, but where do you guys want to go? Well, let's start with the, with the Bannon thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, from my perspective right now is uh, we have had this, this entire situation where oversight in Congress has really become kind of toothless. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and I, it accelerated I, I, over the Trump years, but frankly, that trend has been going on for a while. Right. I mean, it used to be that, you know, if there was congressional hearings and oversight of whatever and subpoenas and stuff or whatever, this was taken very seriously. And 
it's like now it's like I mean, I, I still remember the days back way back when when the Oliver North was being, you know, uh, you know, raked over to coals about, about Iran Contra way back when. And, you know, how serious that was. And now it's like pfft, nobody cares. And so if they're going to assert the right that co- if Congress, you know, has this right of subpoena, then it needs to be enforceable in some way. I mean, if you remember, the Obama administration was not clean on this either. There were uh, Eric Holder uh, was being called before Congress and he didn't cooperate and right. blah, blah, blah. So I, I think this does relate to the it's a slippery slope. And, you know, Trump engaged in this much more. I mean, he had a total 100% obstruction uh, view to this. Everybody said no to every request. Take me to court for everything. You're not getting anything. Or if you do, it's going to take you so many years to get to it that no one cares anymore by the time you're at the other end. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, so what they've done here, apparently all of the other people, including some people you wouldn't necessarily expect to be cooperative, are at least engaging with the congressional committee. Bannon's the only one who absolutely said, no, I'm not even talking to you. That's the end. Um, and so first the committee and then, uh, the whole Congress, uh, voted to refer it to the DOJ. Um, and surprisingly, I'm, I'm looking at the list right now. There were nine Republicans, uh, who voted in favor of this, uh, not just, um, uh, not just the two that are on the committee, Kinziger and Cheney, uh, but a, a, a few others. Um, and, and so it will go to the DOJ. We talked a lot last week about DOJ and how they might not want to touch this because it looks political. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, at some point you have to, right? Yeah. Like if Congress can't, and, 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 you know, and even DOJ deciding not to do anything about this um, is just as political as them actually doing it. Yeah. So at some point you just have to say, well, it you, we have to do it. The thing happened. Now, the other part of this, there are a couple interesting parts. One is they did go straight to referring it to the DOJ for a criminal action. Like the normal, quote unquote, normal way to deal with this kind of thing would be to first go to court to try to get a court injunction to tell Bannon to do what he's supposed to do. Well, but we all know he's not to. So, I mean, basically, what the hell is the damn point? So, I mean, yeah, that would take months and months and months. So Congress decided to just jump straight to this. And that's what kept happening over and over the last time they were doing this. Oh, we'll go to court. We kept going back and forth, back and forth. Didn't get anything. So, th- so they're going straight to this. I don't know. And ne- it, the ball is now in DOJ's court. And I, I don't know what they'll do, frankly. I've, I feel like they're going to delay it a little while. But, um, you know, they have to decide whether or not to actually go forward with the prosecution. Now, there's a multi-pronged test that they're supposed to go through for that. One is their clear evidence of a crime. Uh, B, I, I'm going to forget them properly. Um, but one of them... Uh, oh, oh yeah. One is 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 there the evidence of a crime that was committed? Two, do you have the evidence to prove it? 
uh, in a way that you think will get a conviction and then C that or three or whatever. I don't know if I was numbering or lettering. I forgot. Um, is, you know, is it in the general interest of the country to do this prosecution? So they do have wiggle room and kinds of in this. And now I think it's clear that part A is taken care of. You know, there was a subpoena. He's rejecting it. Right. He's showing the contempt of Congress. Um, I've seen some analysis that says the second part is clear cut too. Um, and then it rests on the third part. Like, is it in the national interest to do a prosecution? I actually think there's some doubt on the second part too, actually, because you got to think like, if you're going to get a jury conviction, you need a unanimous verdict. And are you really going to get a, like, there are enough like MAGA folks out there that you may have a hard time getting a jury that would convict even if the evidence was clear, you know, now the one thing that but may I think change that the main thing about this, yeah. look, the, 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 from my understanding uh, on a criminal referral like this, it's not just the prosecution. It's look, the, 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 the DOJ, if they charge him, they, they can have him arrested and they can bring him in to, to court. And I, you know, I don't know if, you know, if, if the, if the moment that he's arrested, that, he, he comes to court whether um, because most contempt contempt uh, cases don't go all the time to 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 a trial. Yeah. So wait, the, the one thing here is there is a difference, right? Like if a judge holds you in contempt of court, they can have your ass hauled off to jail right exactly. then and there at that moment and say, you'll come out once you agree to talk. Or right. once you agree to exactly. do whatever the court has said, this is different. This is, he has to go to trial, be convicted of this crime of contempt of Congress and then go to jail. So like the, the process here, like there would be no cart him straight off to jail. It would be. Well, yeah, but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, but I'm not sure if this is a, if this has to be a jury trial. I think it has to be. I, I think it's Bannon's option. Like he has the right to the jury trial uh, he can decide there he doesn't are, want one, certain, but he, he can, I don't, well, I don't know the answer. Okay. But there are certain, okay. There are, there are certain cases in, in federal criminal court that not all go to, to jury trial. Okay. Yeah. I, I, but I think the, 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 the suspect can insist on it if they want it, they can waive it if they feel like it's not helpful to them. Okay. I, at least I believe that's the case. Lawyers out there, please correct me if I'm wrong. I am very likely to be wrong. I may be talking out my ass on something I don't understand. So correct me if I'm wrong, please. And I'm talking to you, Greg. <laughs> that's our one lawyer listener that we know of who participates in our Slack all the time. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, the the bottom line is it's now in DOJ's court. They have to decide whether or not they're going to do something. And we, they're not saying anything about the timelines uh um you know they're basically the Bi you know biden himself said of course they should go after it right and doj was very careful to come out with a statement immediately thereafter um saying look we will follow the process nobody's telling us what to do we are going to look at the facts and the law and make a decision accordingly um and yeah no they're not talking about timetables they're not talking about um Yes, we're going after him, anything like that. And so we don't even know, like, 
Are we going to get something from them next week? Or are they going to sit on this for a couple months while they decide what to do? There's also potential of doing an investigative stage where they dig into this more with an investigation before they decide. Um, so, you know, and th this is all like, if, if you wanted something more like the, hey, let's slam him in jail until he does what we want, Congress would have to do inherent contempt. And they're not willing to do that yet. Well, I would think that, you know, I, I don't know. Well... I mean, that's the thing. They haven't wanted to use the inherent contempt that I would have used it. I mean, I, if I were speaker, I would have already used it. Screw it. If that's the power that the Constitution says that I got, I'm, 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 dry, I'm, I'm, I'm making, I'm making a little jail in, 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 uh, in Congress, and I'm sticking him in there until he talks. Well, and apparently the current rules in the House don't have a procedure for that. So if they were going to do that, they would have to first pass a set of rules for how that would work and then they'd have to do that right um and, and so there there is okay, a more fine. complicated thing there yeah, yeah I, and that's yeah i'm thinking the same thing too like but the one other problem with inherent contempt is the police force that's directly under control of congress is incredibly small you know bannon evading them would be probably pretty easy you know, although I guess at least in theory, they could call on other police forces to help them and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, anyway, so uh, I, I don't know. I, I think this they had to take. They have to exert their authority here or it's gone forever. Um, and this is a step. I I worry that it's not going to be enough or that. You know, it's it's also still going to take so long to get anywhere that they never get anything out of it. But at least they're sort of saying, yes, we actually care about this and we're not just going to say, oh, you don't want to come? Okay, then never mind. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Bruce, you've been quiet. Any <laughs> thoughts on that? What do you think? Uh, what do you think no, I don't, have, I, don't, I don't have much opinion on this at all. I'm... Uh, I, Bannon is a slime ball. Um, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay. It's a slime ball is something that I would have said. I should have said already, but oh well, I didn't say it. Thank you for reminding. <laughs> yeah, Bannon's a slime ball, Sam. Yes, yes. And the the one thing we didn't mention, and I guess should be there for context, right? Is this is part of the January sixth investigation to sort of figure out what was going on there. Uh, and apparently the committee uh, has evidence, and they, they said this publicly in the last couple of days, uh, that Bannon was one of a group of people uh, who met in a hotel uh, near the White House the day before January 6th uh, that they called a war room for planning uh, the January 6th events. Uh, Bannon on his own podcast was talking about how uh, tomorrow would be different than anything that has you've seen in American history, and it's going to be very significant and be prepared and blah, 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 blah. Um, so there's some, you know, so the idea is like, was there sort of planning activity involving these people uh, for January 6th where they knew that it wasn't just going to be a rally, but there was going to be an attempt to actually disrupt the counting and everything that happened on January 6th. And of course, the question is, if so, did Trump know, blah, blah, blah. I suspect, I, I heard someone talking about this uh, earlier today, so it's not just me, but I, I suspect that just like everything else in the Trump administration, it's a, it's a bunch of yahoos 
who can't get their act together, who want to do something nefarious, are so incredibly incompetent at it that the actual reality is it's a bunch of people talking and blowing smoke up each other's ass or asses um, and you know, trying to manage forces that they don't actually understand or control as opposed to, you know, like they riled up the crowd and then the crowd did something. I don't think anyone was actually giving orders like, okay, now go attack the Capitol and try to kill Mike Pence, you know? Yeah. See, this is, this was an instance where uh, the, the hyperbole got a, got too far in, in front of them because you, you constantly hear politicians talk about how they need to fight for their rights. Or they need to, you know, this is a war, or they, or they yeah, you know, yeah, need yeah. to, and so basically, there are a bunch of rubes out there who who take those words seriously, and so yeah. that's what they did. Now, fortunately, none of nobody brought weapons, and so this supposed insurrection well, there, there, was just there. Are, there actually there actually were quite a few that were seen or confiscated. Were, yeah, there, the there, there there were, but but yeah, it it, so it didn't get bloodier than it did, but a yes, number of people, yes. it, it could have gotten a lot more bloody than it did. Um, that's for sure. Ah, but anyway, and, and a whole bunch of people who brought their weapons to DC didn't bring them to the Capitol as well. Like they chickened out at the last moment. Um, but there were some, uh, there were some on the Capitol grounds as well, but like, you know, we, we ended up with, you know, actual guns. I've yes. never, never heard of that reported. Yes. <laughs> no, no actual guns. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yes. Um, well, why weren't they uh, seized? But, they were. They 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 were so unable to control the situation. They they, 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 they did not were, want to get into. Well, some were seized that afterwards, but but the reality is that a lot of, there were a lot. I mean, there was a report recently that there was a lot more uh, weapons of all sorts that that came in. It's it's a shock to me that it wasn't worse than it was. Like it does. It's it's the same answer, by the way, to why didn't they arrest people on the spot as opposed to going after people later. It's because they were so outnumbered. And or why were they holding the doors open, letting people in? Yeah. Well, and, well, one, one, one police officer uh, was indicted uh, this last week for conspiring with one of the protesters about deleting social media stuff and removing evidence. I think the answer to holding doors open was that, look, th- there was clearly... The the police there were just as divided as the public at large, right? And there were certainly some of them who sympathized strongly with the protesters. And there's evidence that at one or two locations around the perimeter, the police did let them in. Mm-hmm. Um, in other places, they defended as long as they could and then fell back when they had to. Yep. Uh, so there's there's a lot of complicated mess that uh, that we still don't know all of what happened there. And we're going to be untangling it for a while. And that's part of what this commission is trying to do um but yeah that but i think you know your your summary is right uh i think bruce that it it wasn't necessarily like bannon and rudy giuliani sitting in a hotel room uh conspiring to you know kill pelosi and pence and take over the government and execute a coup right it was them using this inflamed rhetoric and maybe hoping something would happen but not knowing what it was and then People taking it seriously and it getting way out of control. Look, like I've always said, like with, with you know, most uh, uh, people in conspiracies, it's like uh, one of the things like uh, I, I, when I was, you know, different companies that I've been that I've been an executive. I keep hearing a whole bunch of employees, you know, thinking about how 
the scheming and plotting and whatever and why the hell they took stuff out or why something happened or whatever. And I, I laugh a whole bunch of times. Like I said, I'm like, Jesus Christ, if you thought you think we're that organized, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> because we're just, it's always a shit show. Some of the stuff that happens that happens almost every time happens like incidental. It's like, you know, it's like what happened with these people. It's just a case of like, you know, it, it, they, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, you know, they were useful idiots in a certain way to their cause. A lot of the people that were out there It's all like, yeah, they sure they wanted it, but they were like, you know, they didn't organize it like that directly. So, but anyway, all right, yeah. well, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's okay, go. Moving, moving on. Yes. Yeah, let me, let me do real quick the voting thing, because I think that is real quick. Um, the, the Senate put up for vote, a uh, a voting rights bill uh, that had been negotiated by Mansion as, hey, give me a shot at a more restricted version of this that we can try to get some Republican support. And he even had like there was uh, Murkowski from Alaska actually participated in the drafting of this thing. So like, so you'd think, well, maybe at least she's on board, um, but. Surprise, surprise, they brought it to the vote. It was completely party line. And uh, because of the filibuster, that means dead on arrival. You got your 50-50 and then uh, Schumer changes vote at the last minute for procedural reasons so he could bring it up again in the future. But, you know, so there you go. Like Manchin's best effort at got producing zero, zero votes, got yeah. zero Republican support. Uh, and that's what everybody had been predicting. Um, I think a lot of folks on the democratic side are thinking that this sort of song and dance to sort of prove to mansion that there's no way you'll get Republicans on board with even the bare minimum of this kind of thing might be enough to convince mansion to do something on the filibuster. I think there's been no evidence whatsoever of Manchin being willing to budge even the slightest bit on this filibuster. And even if he does, cinema won't. Um, and so I, I, I understand what they're trying to do. I'm just not seeing it working. Well, I, I, I think it, it hasn't worked. And I, I don't think that, um, I, I think that Biden, and these guys have, have made the best effort at this stuff of trying to, do some things in some kind of bipartisan way, but look, this is the this uh, divide has gotten even bigger. Uh, I don't I don't see that there is a hope of anything happening right now in the, in that space. I, I, like I said, right now, everything right now the way it is uh, has nothing to do with policy. It's all about tribalism. That's it. Period. Yeah, and the the only filibuster reform that I've been hearing about lately that that mansion has even given the slightest indication you might consider um is the one to switch it from uh requiring 60 votes to proceed to requiring 41 votes to stop it um which changes the burden from having the people who want to proceed gather the votes to having the uh, the people who want to stop it actually produce the votes on the floor. Uh, it's a, and I was, it apparently is the difference. They re revised the filibuster rules in like the mid 1970s, 
uh, when they changed it from 67 votes to 60. But at the same time, uh, and apparently this was an accident, they did not realize the implications of it at the time. They changed it from being a percentage of the votes present to being a percentage of the entire body. Okay. Which means, which means like you can have the entire side who wants to stop it can go on vacation and you can have a 59 to zero vote and it's still not enough to proceed uh, because it's not out of the people there. It's out of the entire Senate. Uh, and that's what made the difference here. And if instead it was out of the people present, you completely change the dynamics of how the filibuster works. Well, I don't know. Well, well it, 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 we've been talking about this and I heard more talk about this today, but I don't know. That's the only one Manchin has even indicated any slight interest in. But even that one, he said, no, I'm never going to do that either. So I, I I say, believe him. Yeah. And I don't like that answer. I, I think that it's time to ditch it. But as long as you've got Manchin and Cinema saying they're never even going to consider any even modest reforms to it, you know, you can't get anywhere with that. You, you, I'll tell you, you what, the one thing it. there that it, it, it's the pressure on cinema right now has been ratcheted up like a thousand times where it was before. But there, there's a lot of her constituents that are not pleased with what she's doing. Forget about national I'm talking Arizona. Yeah. And, and actually, Oof. that's a good transition into talking about the infrastructure for the last few minutes. Oh, well, one thing one thing I'd like to say about the filibuster is, um, yeah, I, um, I I'm in favor of just keeping it the way it is. But. Um, for those who want to get rid of it, I'd say be careful what you wish for because you don't know that there could be some, uh, you know, when uh, when the Democrats are out of power, they're going to wish they had a filibuster. Let's put it that way. No, I, 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 I agree with you. It's one of the reasons why I haven't. Oh, been. absolutely. They will. And, and this is why I've said before. Um, good. Because I think one of the problems with our system, and people who've listened a while know I've said this before, uh, is that you get the situation where, theoretically, the Democrats win the chamber, right? Right. And, but then they can't execute any of their agenda because of the filibuster. And so people then say, well, they did nothing, so now I'll go with the Republicans. Right. Then the Republicans come into power, and then they try to do stuff. But they also fail because of the filibuster, and so people don't like that, and so they vote them out. And then we get this cycle going, right, where nobody is actually judging based on what the parties actually do while in power. <laughs> I actually think it would be a much better scenario. Sure, the Republicans get in. Let them do whatever they want to do. Let them outlaw abortion. Let them get rid of uh, Social Security or pare it down. Let them re get, rid let them get rid of Obamacare. Get rid of Obamacare. Let them do whatever the fuck they want and then judge them for it at the next election. And then then let the Democrats do the same. And then you'd get a much fairer view of you know people voting for what do these parties actually do? What are their actual preferences when they get into power as opposed to always just getting frustrated that nobody actually does any of the things they talked about? Now, the one the one. The one part of that that is breaks things, though, is exactly this kind of voter stuff. If the Republicans get into power and 
jigger things around to make it impossible for Democrats to win, then you're screwed, and vice versa. And vice yeah. versa. Well, I, yeah, I'm just, I was just saying that, uh, well, if the Democrats get rid of the filibuster, it'll be just in time for next year's election <laughs> for them to come into power. Yeah. And they'll yeah, take over I the know. House and the I Senate, know. and then they'll take that, that gift from the Democrats and use it. And use it and use it. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, absolutely. I know. I know. You're I know. absolutely right. You're absolutely and, right. hundred percent. And then Biden will be seen as the obstructor. Yes. So because, yeah, because he'll, he'll veto be, everything. Veto everything. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And and you know, that that is actually that is exactly the dynamic that would happen because, you know, we're not at predictions yet, but I've said before, I'm incredibly pessimistic in terms of the Democratic's, Democratic chance in 2022. Uh, I think it's very likely that they win, they lose both houses of Congress. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, that's certainly the trends you would expect. And, you know, right now we're a long way out from the election, but, you know, things aren't looking great right now. But, and this is part of it, right? Like if they... If you, they go along and they go along and they go along and they can't actually deliver on the things they promised. Listen, I like you say, you said Biden vetoes everything. Look, I wish maybe we could get back to the time when when the Congress legislated shit, you know, like Frank, <laughs> because, because Franklin Roosevelt, for example, vetoed uh, regular regular vetoes by Franklin Roosevelt. He did three hundred and seventy two of them. Right. 372 vetoes. I said, uh, you know, let's see, uh, Truman vetoed 180 bills. Eisenhower vetoed 73. Since then, I think they had up every president since then. They haven't vetoed as many bills as Roosevelt did. Yeah, because the way Congress works right now is it's, it's it's such an effort to pass a bill that they they lump everything into yep. one big bill and it's take it or leave it and uh, yep. and so there's a, a, and a lot of that is related to the filibuster and how it's been used over the last few decades cuz that was not the pattern like even when the rule was 67 for the filibuster a lot of stuff happened anyway because the the minority party only used the filibuster in exceptional circumstances. They didn't do it on everything. And uh, and so that's one of the reasons why everything's bundled into one big bill now, because they know they only have like one or two shots at the apple. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, real quick, uh, we're almost out of time, but I do want to hit the infrastructure negotiations. And you had mentioned cinema being under a lot of pressure. Yes. Um, and some of it from locally. But also, I was reading today that... Part of the White House's explicit strategy at this point is to really dive into negotiations and make a deal with Manchin because Manchin is being more willing to actually talk about what he wants and uh, negotiate and go back and right. forth with them and blah, blah, blah. And then basically dare cinema to, to be, be the one that right. stops everything. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and because she – now, it's kind of – Publicly, she hasn't said as much about what her bottom lines are. Apparently, her deal was she was telling the White House all along what she wanted and what she would would or would not go along with. But she wouldn't talk to the other senators. She wouldn't talk to the people in the House. She would only talk to the White House. That's that's bizarre. We're finally starting to hear some of the reasons, some of the things she wants. And one of the difficulties is, you know, the whole... 
a, a big part of the premise of this bill is we will make it deficit neutral by increasing taxes on corporations and high net worth individuals. And she, for some reason, is opposed to those. And she's opposed to those. And meanwhile, yep. <laughs> and meanwhile, Mansion is like the opposite. He's very concerned about the cost and the fact that it's paid for is important to him. Right. You know, so one of the problems here is some of Mansion's demands and Cinema's demands are directly opposed to each other. And so y- y- you have to break through that somewhere. Uh, but but one of the things that's been happening this week for the very first time, I mentioned Cinema was only talking to the White House, but most of these negotiations were going this way, right? It was Cinema talking to the White House, Mansion talking to the White House, uh, the White House talking to Schumer, uh, et cetera. And you didn't have the principals in the room together. Like you didn't have Sanders talking to Mansion. You didn't have Jayapal talking to Mansion or Cinema. You you. And they've started to now get all of these people in the room at the same time for the very first time. And it's like, really? For the very first time? You, why couldn't God. you do this like a month ago or two months God, ago? God, I know, don't. You know, instead it was the White House playing relay between people. These people, I don't know what the hell. They don't know how to legislate anymore. I'm telling you, this is the whole damn thing. They don't know how to do it anymore. And and so, but apparently now that you got everybody in the room together, they're starting to actually do the kind of deal making that you would expect. Is there smoke? I'm probably not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Except the smoke coming out of people's ears. Yes. You know, I still, let me tell you something, Bruce. I still remember we had, when I worked at HP, we had some rooms that were, in some offices, there were smoke rooms. Okay. My God. (laughs) Oh my God. Those rooms. And I had all these people that I work with. Well, I got to go take a cigarette. So if I wanted to talk to them, I had to go to the smoke room. Oh, Oh, man. Oh, those were hell. Oh, I remember when smoking was allowed on planes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. But anyway, at this point, at this point, they are actually like, you know, saying on the one hand, this is my bottom line. I need you to move on this because I can't agree to that and and haggling on things and exchanging. We take this part out and put this part in and we change but, the number. But I will say, I'll say it here and I will say it again. It doesn't fucking matter if they pass this or not. This has zero impact on the election coming up. Uh, you you may be right. Uh, it, it, I mean, what it all depends on, like... First of all, it depends on, do you actually see impact in that short of a time frame? And the answer is probably not right away. But even if you do see impact, like we talked about last week, people don't even know where these things come from. You know, like when you do the polling, they're just like, oh, this check magically appeared. That's great. They don't actually give anybody credit for that, you know. Um, But the... the, the thing is, the other thing that I meant to mention last time we talked about this, but failed to is everyone keeps branding it as like, you know, 3.5 trillion or 1.5 trillion or one or whatever, you know, they're, they're, they're negotiating on the number of trillions, but you very rarely hear them talk about the fact that that huge number is actually over 10 years. And if you look at the annual number and compare to the federal budget as a whole, 
we're we're talking like two percent or three percent of the federal budget. We're not at, and it seems like to every you know the way you were talking about it, it seems like we're you know we're we're doubling the federal budget or we're we're sending this huge amount and you know, but in comparison to everything we're spending, it's actually a fairly small percentage increase. And if you compare it to other like big budget items like defense and stuff, it's much smaller. But we approve those without thinking about them twice. I know. But oh well. All right. Well, <laughs> that's it. We're we're done. We're ready for the stuff at the end. So, here we go. <laughs> do you want to do you want to do it all, Bruce? Have you memorized this? We say it every week. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I. You know what? I'll, t- I'll tell you the truth. I'll be honest. Uh, at, at this point in the podcast, you stop the you stop the podcast. I just uh, yeah. I just go to the next one. <laughs> There you go. Well, you know, the, the, you're, you're missing Yvonne's summary of what happens on the Slack. But I guess if you're on the Slack, as I know you are, yeah. then you're not missing anything anyway. But you don't need the summary. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, here we go. If you want to get in contact to us, if you want to contact us, you can now just go to our website, curmudgeons-corner.com. You'll find an archive of all of our episodes. You'll find all of the ways to contact us, email, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. And of course, you will find a link to our Patreon uh, where you can uh, give us money. Um, And if you, uh, I should say at the Patreon, at various levels, you'll get a, a, a postcard, us mentioning you on the show, a mug, all kinds of fun stuff like that. But at $2 a month or more on the Patreon, or if you just communicate with us and, you know, are kind of nice to us, then we will invite you to our Commudgeons Corner Slack, where Yvonne and I and Bruce and a few other of our... and a few other of our listeners are all chatting throughout the week, sharing news links, discussing one thing or another. Um, so, Yvonne, unless you want to do it, Bruce, uh, can you give <laughs> us a summary of some of the interesting things that were discussed on the Slack over the last week that we have not talked about on the show? Well, Greg, Greg is right now griping about his TVs. Okay, that's at this, one very, thing. Second, at this very second. He's, 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 he's adding stuff in our yes, slot. He, yes, so that's one thing that's happened. Uh, it's happened. We talked like about like his TV broke or something. Yeah, and he's trying know. to replace it with another one, and it's apparently broken too. Though the other one, in the same way. So we've got we may be shooting for the first trillion dollar man in in uh, in Elon Musk apparently. So that's one right, thing. Nice. We we also had uh, apparently how t- t- uh, tr- Donald Trump's new social media uh, involved uh, incredible <laughs> start. Okay, with uh, I actually looked at the picture. I hadn't seen this picture before. <laughs> of the of pig, pig. one of the pig. Somebody, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, come on, people. I mean, this, these people are just <laughs> incompetent completely. I mean, um, so there was news uh, about Colin Powell. There was news about Colin Powell. We had the the the, the, the in a first the surgeon attached a pig kit pig kidney to a human and it worked amazingly. Okay, and, um, and that's not the pig that there was the that's picture not of the pig on the Donald that, Trump social yeah, media. Yeah, the thing. Donald, which yeah, that's different, not pig. That, different, different pig, different pig, different pig. Um, also, uh, we we uh, we talked about. What the heck else? Uh, we had the Apple event. We shared uh, yes, information yes. on the on the Apple event. 
We also shared uh, some stuff uh, related to uh, uh, oh, uh, we have this uh, the run. Uh, the, the 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 people were posting times for the fundraiser run that we're doing for for my wife's uh, foundation. There is we're doing a 5K to raise funds for families that that are in need like right now. So therefore, uh, we got about a waiting list of like six people on the right now. So therefore, you know, uh, if you guys go in and donate and run. Uh, that would be great, but just go to www.manoforinclusion.org and some people for the run that were posting their distances that, that they had posted. So, uh, very good. We cool. also posted some stuff. And, and I, I have not done my due diligence yet. I promise that even if I don't run, I will donate. So I Thank will you. do that yes. soon. soon. Yes. Uh, and a, another story that was interesting is that out of practice, airline pilots are committing a lot of errors in the air. Oops. And, 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 and the airlines are, other regulars are getting a little bit uh, concerned. Uh, I also posted a story about our psychotic governor here that basically just keeps f- trying to figure out how to just go and just pass legislation that just that, that serves no purpose other than to just a- appeal <laughs> as a camp as it's a just, campaign. Yeah, he's he's getting ready for two thousand twenty four. Yes, that's all he's doing. Yes, <laughs> of course, of course, with the gamble that Trump himself will not run. But he's also uh, got an yeah. election here in Florida in 2022 that that he's doing, yeah, yeah. doing for. So he's yeah. doing both. Um, there is also some proud lady Trump that is got, uh, is running for Nevada governor that apparently was like I don't know is in a picture like with a gun and I don't know anyway was shooting stuff anyway I don't. <laughs> Easy people. I don't understand this. Uh, well, you know what y'all can do to get people to to listen to the end of the show is to yeah, do shoot like people. A, no, 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 no. Do like a, on on the Marvel movie. You know, put something really juicy at the very end. <laughs> ah, okay. There you go. And then uh, I guess the last. One that I see here that was uh, that was interesting. We put uh, we put this micro COVID uh, project link microcovid.org that allows you to actually uh, examine risk of all your activities when you're masked, unmasked, whatever, et cetera. So therefore you can get an idea of a, of a, of a, of a, of a risk. I tried that out. It's a joke. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't too happy with the results. I, I thought it was, well, I thought that all of them were like everything. I mean, basically all it said is like everything I did was extremely dangerous. I'm like, Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I noticed you have to put in your vaccination status. I, I did that at first with something, and the the danger level dropped considerably once I told it I was vaccinated, et cetera. But even I, but I wonder. Is- but I wonder. Here's my problem with that kind of thing: um, is that I don't think the research is fleshed out well enough to support something with that level of detail. I, I mean, I, there I, I, are I, a I lot of. I, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. And what I thought. Yeah. Okay. If, if it comes from a computer, it's got to be true. Skynet. I, I mean, I mean, I'm sure they've got they've plugged in numbers from a few studies here and there to try to figure that out. But, I, I don't but frankly, it, it's just the it is not mature enough. We do not know enough about this. I keep saying people will be writing PhDs on this pandemic for the rest of our lives, and I think that's very much true. And like, maybe these are maybe some of these are good, reasonable guesses based on what we know today, but. I, I don't know. I think the 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 level of imply. I think this is false precision. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yes, we know certain things are more risky than others, but trying to fill out a questionnaire like this and then boil it down to this is how risky that is. 
yeah, I, I think we're getting beyond what we really know, at least with that level well, of detail. And and and, and oh, uh, and so that's it. That's basically what I've. But so now you have to give the honor, sir. Now, yes, now I can actually, you know, say goodbye. Uh, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us, Bruce. You're very welcome. I think this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it was good to have you on with Yvonne for an entire show. Uh, and it was good to hear about the submarine and the Titanic and all of this kind of stuff. My pleasure. Glad you, glad you didn't kill anybody. <laughs> so, so one more question, Bruce. We mentioned you did not go to the Titanic. Are you bummed that you didn't get that chance? Or were um, you okay with not going? Uh, I never had any real expectation that i would really be going now i had a hope i had a small glimmer of hope that the company would be somehow really successful there would be people coming out of the woodwork wanting to sign on and the company would just boom and we would be making more subs and we'd be uh doing this for years and this would be like a really great uh business to be in uh and then i was told that after a couple of years i would be able to go down but um and i would i really would have loved to go but um but i really didn't have any expectation that i would Oh, wow. Anyway, I I guess that's the end. Uh, Thank you, Bruce, for joining us. And Mm -hmm. thanks, everybody, for listening. And, you know, as usual, stay safe. Have a great week. Have fun. Do whatever you do. And we will talk to you again next time. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Later, all. Yep. Bye. Bye.